Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I'm delighted to have as my guest today, uh, Representative Adam Morgan. And Adam, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell my listening audience a little bit about who you are, where you come from, what district you represent. So take it away, brother. Hey, Dr. Jackson. Well, thanks for having me on. And I represent uh, the Taylors area and the east side of Greenville, District 20 in the South Carolina State House. I'm in my third term. And uh, I also, my brother serves as well. He just got elected in a special election over in the Greer area. So we're the first brothers that have served since the Civil War era. So How about that? How <laughs> kind about of a, that? Yeah, that is unique. Kind of a unique story. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it really unique. We share decimates and we... Uh, when he won the night of the election, my mom said, we can do it as long as we don't fight on TV. Yeah. So we try to, <laughs> we generally think the same though. So we're generally fighting together, but, uh, and I, uh, am a, an attorney, uh, but I actually only practiced for one year and then, uh, ended up giving up the practice of law. My father-in-law, uh, got dementia and they run a Christian music publishing company called Majesty Music. And they asked my wife and I, if we would uh, take that over and, uh, they do a kid's program called Patch the Pirate. And so about eight years ago, we switched over and started doing that full time and really love it. Uh, we do a lot of uh, uh, church meetings and we write the Patch the Pirate Adventures. It's one of the larger evangelical kids programs that's uh, on Christian radio and uh, ran for office while juggling that and uh, didn't know what I was getting into. I knew I wanted to go and make changes, but I didn't quite know how bad things were in Columbia <laughs> until I got there and realized the need for uh, strategic, uh, conservative offensives, and we needed to just get more organized and more focused on uh, actually moving the ball forward and, and fixing our state. And so we formed the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, uh, me and uh, 12 other legislators. Uh, they elected me as the chairman of that, and I've gotten to do that for the last two years. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a crazy ride the last two years with uh, some of the fights that have gone on against the left and the establishment and the lobbyists and special interests but uh you know the the cause is just and uh we're seeing a lot of good momentum well you guys are are the are the heroes for so many of us in south carolina we see you guys wearing the white hats and riding the white horses and we are just delighted to support each of you in the south carolina freedom caucus because it gives us hope and it gives us excitement. I mean, there are a lot of folks in South Carolina just have thrown up their hands in regards to the swamp in South Carolina legislature until you guys have come along. And it has invigorated so many jaded and cynical South Carolina conservatives. And, and you guys have given them hope again. And I just want y'all to know that there are a lot of folks out there that are that are behind you, supporting you, praying for you. And, and they are invigorated by the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. Tell, tell us a little bit about how the Freedom Caucus in South Carolina was birthed. Well, it really started after uh, the Save Women Sports Bill uh, fight. If you, were, if you recall, Ashley Trantham, who does Happy Cow Creamery, 
uh-huh. uh, over in Greenville. Uh, she had filed that bill, and w- we had this big discussion in Republican caucus. It really was a big fight. A lot of the moderates did not want that bill to be pushed by the Republicans, even though it had been passed in you know, Georgia, North Carolina, and other states. Uh, South Carolina, as you are aware, is always behind on anything conservative. We're one of the most liberal, Republican-controlled states. We have the highest income tax, no school choice, uh, worse tort laws, um, you name it. We, weaker abortion laws, uh, abortion restrictions. Uh, we never did the uh, prohibiting the transgender surgeries on minors when all the other Republican-controlled states have. So this was a couple of years ago we were doing Save Women's Sports, and we won the vote in caucus, and we were going to you know, fight and get this bill passed. Well, immediately the leftists started harassing Ashley, uh, and they started, you know, trying to picket the front of her farm and stop people from going in. They were dumping her milk out in front of uh, you know, Whole Foods and Publix to try to get them to cancel the the contract. So she was actually literally suffering. You know, her business was suffering from this onslaught of these leftists coming after her. And some someone called leadership. And, uh, you know, basically threatened them. Somebody in the chamber or in, you know, some kind of lobbyist interest called and said, hey, you don't need to push that bill. That's a transphobic bill. And so leadership just, you know, pulled basically backed out and was like, oh, well, we're not going to force this bill through. Uh, and they sent it to judiciary, the one one of the most liberal committees. And in that committee, Republicans voted with Democrats to kill that bill. And it just shocked everybody. It's like, what in the world? How could they do that when Ashley's being harassed? And um, and really, we had already seen this kind of stuff when the the fight over um, the vaccines. You know, you'll probably remember when the uh, firemen were going to lose all their jobs right. over the vaccine remember- mandate. And uh, same thing happened there. One of our Freedom Caucus members put up a bill to to stop that and you know prohibit vaccine mandates on state employees. And right before it came up for the vote, the majority leader jumped up and adjourned for the day to kill that bill. And Republicans were voting with him and, and you know, to, to leave all the firemen out and make them all lose their jobs. And it wasn't until Josiah Magnuson jumped up and was taking a picture of the board and we were yelling out, hey, y'all are going to look great when you get your firemen fired, that they ended up switching and we won, won the vote. And so it was a series of things like that that made us realize we have got to get more organized. We've got to put more pressure on these moderate uh, Republicans or you know ex-Democrats who switch parties uh, to actually really change this state. So we got together, a group of 13 of us. We got organized. We met with Jim DeMann and Ralph Norman and uh, John Warren and other conservative allies. And uh, we put this plan together to uh, really move the ball forward in South Carolina. And we launched, uh, Mark Meadows came down and um, we just had a, it was a real big to do. Everybody got excited uh, right away. We had some big wins. We found out there was a pediatric transgender clinic that was fully funded by the state of South Carolina by taxpayers, seeing kids four years old to 16 and giving them puberty blockers and, you know, sending them to surgeons to, to get transitioned. And, um, once again, I took that stuff to leadership and to other elected officials. Nobody wanted to touch it. And so we FOIA'd them and said, let us know what you did to these kids. And they said, we don't have to give you that information. I said, yes, you do. Your tax refunded. I'll sue you if you don't. And the next day they shut the whole clinic down. Mm-hmm. And it was all over the news. Freedom Caucus shuts down clinic. And, you know, we had some big wins right off the bat. And we get back to session. And that's when they had set the caucus rules in front of all of us. And the Republican caucus 
uh, in the offseason noticed that four of their members lost reelection, four longtime Republican uh, incumbents. And all the people that beat them were Freedom Caucus that were coming to join the Freedom Caucus. And we picked up eight members. You know, we were growing and they decided we got to stop that. So they changed caucus rules to try to make it so that nobody could campaign against any other members. And their definition of campaign against was no pictures of the public voting board can be shared on social media. You can't talk about how people vote in committee. I like what Ashley, when Ashley told everybody what happened in committee and two of those guys lost re-election. Um, and you couldn't say anything that might make an incumbent Republican look bad. It was mm-hmm. a complete mm-hmm. uh, muzzling of free speech to try to keep constituents in the dark. We refused to sign it and they kicked 16 of us out of the Republican caucus. Mm-hmm. And that was earlier this year. And so uh, since then, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it's been, it's really been all out war, but it, I think it's it's the best uh, thing that could have happened because it exposed uh, the really the cronyism and the, uh, the the control that the lobbyists and that these moderate Republicans have over the House of Representatives in South Carolina. Yep. And so You're hopefully right. we're going to see some serious change. You're exactly right. This cronyism and protectionism, protecting the old guard and the Republican yep. establishment. And you guys exposed them. You're exactly right. And the best thing you ever started doing was taking pictures of the voting board. Yeah, exactly. When you start doing that, those guys start trembling in their wingtips. I'm telling you. Which is crazy because they they can't stand by their own votes. No, they can't. That's what. So, you know, in caucus, when they first threw that in there and I jumped up and said, what does campaign against mean? First person, no more pictures of the public voting board. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were joking. I was yeah. like, "You, how does that make you look bad? It, look, it makes you look bad for how I'm voting." I was like, "Are you kidding? Like, it's a public, it's a public voting board. The the public has a right to know this information. How dare you try to limit and control what other members can do and say?" So I'm I'm actually planning to file legislation this year that would prohibit any legislator from signing a pledge to a third party uh, to not. Uh, share information with their constituents about what's going on in government because you, you literally have them signing loyalty pledges to a, a a club. I mean, the Republican caucus is is a private club. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I would feel the same way if the Freedom Caucus tried to do some kind of crony rule like this. Yep. Like right. you, you, you cannot control legislators. They are elected by their constituents to represent them, not anybody else. That's right. And yeah, so, yeah, I think that it's really kind of been um, a watershed moment to it kind of expose who is really willing to stand and fight for what's right or who is it doesn't have the backbone of the stomach to stand up to leadership. Because, you know, everybody knows leadership is is moderate or even left leaning. Just look at the results of the legislation we're passing. That's right. But it's the, it's the members who are kind of caught in the middle. Uh, this has been a good uh, testing ground. Uh, to really kind of help people see, well, who are the conservative fighters and who aren't? Yeah. Who talk really conservatively at election time, but who are actually willing to face the brunt of attacks? Yeah. I mean, I, you're, I'm sure you're aware that they're, they're, they've spent about $700,000 of lobbyist money attacking Freedom Caucus members with mailers and text messages and live phone callers just you know lying about all of the stuff that we've done in office saying that we're against police that we're 
against tax cuts when when we're the ones that on the budget are fully funding police and trying to cut the wasteful spending and have a higher tax cut. So well, uh, my, anyway, it's my challenge a, to, to voters in the state is to ask their legislators, why are you not a member of the, the Freedom Caucus? Yes, I make mean, them it's a explain. Very valid question. Make them yeah. explain why they are not a member of the Freedom Caucus. If you're a conservative voter in South Carolina, make your legislator explain why they're not a member of the Freedom Caucus, because they ought yeah. to be. If they're a conservative Republican who says that they stand by the Republican platform in this state, they should be a member of the Freedom Caucus. And if they're not, they should explain why. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And did you sign the pledge? That's right. I, mean, they, I will say there are there are Republican members uh, that were in the room after we were kicked out that fought, you know, to the nail to try to get that uh, changed. But the moderates, you know, the the even some of the leadership who might lean our direction, they're terrified of these moderates and of the lobbyists, mm-hmm. and they're you know, especially at the leadership level, they're cowards. Yeah, they and, are and cowardly. That's, you know, I'm I'm really not trying to name call like they. They are actually scared of the lobby. And, mm-hmm. you know, when there's certain members, they'll get up and they'll rant and rave uh, against me and against other members of the Freedom Caucus. And you will literally hear cheering from the lobby, from the, from the lobbyists, yep. cheering on these crony individuals. And it just it always makes me you know, sit back and think, how can they like live with themselves? They literally can hear the cheering from the lobby and they know that, that that's who they work for and yep. who they represent. Not the and, people, uh, but know, the lobbyists. Exactly. And the people have got to get informed. And that the only way they can do that, though, is for us to inform them. And that's why they tried to change these rules to muzzle us so we mm-hmm. can't talk about what's going on. Well, now, in the upcoming election next year, how many additional folks that are running for office have pledged to be a member of the, of the Freedom Caucus if they get elected? Yeah, we haven't. So we don't have like a formal pledge. I think at this point, our members are so averse to that word. (laughs) Um, But we do have people who are saying that they'll join or that want to join. There's about 35 challengers across the state in the different House districts that are looking at running against uh, incumbents uh, to join the Freedom Caucus. And so I'm I'm very hopeful. We got some really great candidates. You know, that we also have some members who are in the Republican caucus who are seriously considering joining the Freedom Caucus. Good. Um, good. So that'll be good to see if some of them, because like I said, we definitely have allies. There's some good people who have kind of been caught in the crossfires and unsure of what to do. But when you have the Speaker of the House calling and offering people $50,000 of lobbyist money, to run against a Freedom Caucus member. We are at the height of corruption. I mean, That's we right. literally had the, the chairman of LCI, Bill Sandifer, was investigated by the Ethics Committee because two lobbyists came forward and gave sworn affidavits saying that he told them, if you donate to my campaign, I will move the legislation that you want out of my committee. A blatantly violating state law. And now it's been referred to the solicitor's office mm-hmm. for possible criminal prosecution. But you sit there and you hear that and you think, how is this possible? And then you say, oh, wait, this speaker is literally calling lobbyists and telling them, I need you to donate against these Republican members. He's not doing any work against the, you know, the four Republican senators who killed the um, full protection from conception pro-life bill and held up the heartbeat bill. He hasn't spent a dime against them, but he's spending his time against Ashley Trantham, who is, was the filer of Save Women Sports, and Stuart Jones, who's the one that filed the 
the bill stopping the vaccine mandates on state employees. And Josiah Magnuson, who's done the heartbeat bill for years. And, uh, you know, Melissa O'Ramus, who's uh, been one of the pro-life leaders. And so uh, all the members who do judicial reform and earmark reform and, you know, ha- who filed the prohibiting the transition surgeries on minors, all of those people are in my caucus. They're all the ones who are willing to take on the real fights, stand up for what our constituents want, and will speak out truth to leadership. And that's who they are targeting and spending uh, money against. And that is about the most telling thing, you know, th- th- that there is in South Carolina politics today. Um, you're right. You're exactly right. Well, now, <clears throat> you've announced recently, uh, Representative Adam Morgan, that you're planning on running for a congressional seat in, in representing South Carolina in Washington. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yes, sir. I announced that just this last week I am uh, looking to run uh, to serve as the 4th District Congressman. Uh, right now, there's an incumbent, William Timmons, in the seat. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that we've had such a big fight at the state level, and we have a strong record. You know, we even sued school districts that were breaking state law and teaching CRT, and we won that. We sued crony ethics laws, uh, you know, sued the ethics committee over uh, ethics laws preventing conservatives from being able to engage in political activity, and we won that. Uh, we've passed banner legislation, and you know, looking at my time in the House, it's been a fight, and we've had a, a strategic uh, growth and a strategic movement on really all fronts with the conservative movement. And I want to continue that fight. I want to take it to Washington. I want to use the position uh, that uh, a congressman has, like Ralph Norman uh, has done, and use that position to advance the ball and really change the state and fight for our uh, values uh, at the congressional level. Well, I understand that Representative Norman has endorsed your campaign. Yes, he did. <laughs> he came and uh, did my kickoff. And, you know, in talking to him, he opened my eyes a lot. You know, I've, I've been disappointed with my representative, my congressman, for a while. I've, I've thought he wasn't strong enough. He refused to join the Freedom Caucus, which was the first and most telling sign. Um, he, you know, has been missing in action on all the major fights, uh, like the fight in January uh, to get the strong conservative concessions uh, and, and fixing the House of Representatives from what Nancy Pelosi did when she gutted it. Um, and, you know, looking at uh, what Ralph revealed to me, uh, that Timmons not only was missing in those fights, but he's actually actively working against conservatives behind the scenes. He tries to pressure them to stand down, to not fight when it matters. Uh, and then he tries to come along behind him and say, oh, well, I, I voted with him. And so those are the kind of people that, you know, just the two-faced, you can't trust them. You've got to have people who uh, are are what they are <laughs> to everyone, that, that are people who will uh, stand firm and uh, encourage people to do what's right and be with the conservative fighters, not working against them. And uh, so, I, yeah, I've thrown my hat in the ring. I've got uh, the sheriff in Greenville has endorsed me, a lot of other legislators, uh, raised a lot of money right at the kickoff. So I'm all in, and I want to also be able to use my congressional run to get the word out about the Freedom Caucus because, you know, a lot of people don't even know what's been happening. They're not even aware we, that the Freedom Caucus exists or that we were kicked out of the Republican Caucus or that we've had all these major victories. And I think it's time for us to really pursue these higher offices and the platforms that they have to inform the public and use them 
uh, to really affect change in this state. Well, now, if you were to be elected to represent, is it the 4th Congressional District? Yes, sir, the 4th. If you were elected to represent the 4th Congressional District in Washington, D.C., and you were able to stand side-by-side with Ralph Norman in Washington, what would be your objectives once you got there? Yeah, well, I have a lot. How much time do you have? <laughs> I'll, st- <laughs> we got, I'll stick to we got, some of the main ones. <laughs> we got about five more minutes. You go for yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick to the main ones. First of all, border security. You know, we've got to uh, to fix the border and take it seriously. We have these people who talk about it and who go and take pictures by it, and then they do nothing. Uh, and they had the chance. Uh, some of the conservatives put up an amendment uh, on the budget during the budget fight that clearly defunded migration. To the, to the U.S. until the Biden administration takes the border crisis seriously. And almost all of the conservatives or all the conservatives voted for it. The entire South Carolina delegation voted for it, except our incumbent, William Timmons. He voted with Democrats and moderates. And um, that's the kind of thing where it's like you, you, this is the time to fix the issue. And, and you cave uh, like we've got to have we got to take it seriously and be willing to fight on that one, because if we don't have um border security we don't have national security um so You're right. another big You're fight right. that uh, that kind of goes with national security is the department of defense and it really is a funding issue you know every year we just continue the same amount of funding and there's you know we don't have conservatives or many conservatives that are willing to fight and point out that look we need a an extremely well-funded military but we need to make sure that the money is actually going uh to the lethality of our force because you know we're losing ground every day. We're wasting taxpayer money on DEI and on you know like what do you what kind of diversity do you need on a pilot? You just need the best pilot you can get. That's right. And so we're losing uh, good pilots and we're wasting money on this training. Every dollar that goes to a DEI training, you're wasting time and money that could go to training pilots to actually pilot better. And, and so the lethality of force is something that, that we've really got to concentrate on. The money that's going there needs to be uh, tied to that. And uh, I would immediately support a comprehensive review of DOD funding and make sure that the dollars that are spent are going uh, to that. Um, so that's something that I would definitely be focused on. Um, there's a lot of other things on medical. I know you're doing <laughs> – that's, that's your arena. Yes, sir. I would like to see um, some protections in place. At the federal level, I'd like to see legislation that would require any future vaccines that are required on federal employees, that that actually be passed by Congress and not allowed to be, you know, in effect by unelected bureaucrats uh, to just decide that every person has, you know, that's a federal employee has to get a, some kind of vaccine. Um, that's something we tried in, the, in uh, South Carolina, which we're hopefully going to get passed this year. Right now, DHEC can just decide to add new vaccine requirements uh, for children on the childhood schedule. And it's like that, that's, uh, that is absolutely a decision that should be made by elected officials and not by, uh, you know, an unelected bureaucrats. You know, ultimately, I'd like to see it fall almost entirely back to uh, the individuals. But if you're going to have any requirements, whether it's kids being in school or on, you know, people in the military, it should be a, a decision for the people who have representatives who constituents who voted them in and not decisions made by unelected bureaucrats who they've you know kind of thrown that over to to avoid political uh, blowback yep i hear you i hear you loud and clear well listen we're listening to 
Representative Adam Morgan, who represents uh, uh, the legislative District 20. Am I saying that right? District 20? Is that? Is yes, sir. It? District 20 in the State House. And uh, he's been actively involved with the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. He's now uh, made his uh, run for the 4th Congressional District public. And uh, now if, if folks want to be involved with your campaign or if they want to make a contribution, uh, Representative Morgan, how would they do that? Yeah, well, first, please do, because the fact is uh, the race I'm running, you know, is against a very well-funded incumbent who bought the seat the first time. You know, um, it's a, a wealthy family and he threw a ton of money and he will again. But the fact is our congressional seats, we cannot let them be bought. They can't be bought by individuals. They shouldn't be bought by special interest. If you look at the funding of my opponent, 97% of his funding comes from out of district and out of state, most of it from D.C. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to run the exact opposite campaign. I'm looking for people that are uh, South Carolinians, good patriotic South Carolinians who are willing to invest in a campaign to actually take back our state and take back Congress. And um, our website is voteadammorgan.com. I already told you I hit uh, six figures of uh, pledged donations my first day. And uh, so we're off to a strong start. But the fact is, you know, it's it's an uphill battle and uh, I'm all in, but I need all the help I can get. That's right. So consider contributing to his campaign. I'm sure he would value your constant prayers. And I'm sure that he would value an army of folks who'd be willing to go out and knock on doors and make phone calls, put up yard signs and all those things that are so important to a campaign. Well, Representative Representative Morgan, I I thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. You've been interviewed two or three times already today. And uh, I'm just grateful that you'd come on More Than Medicine. You're listening to More Than Medicine. Well, thank you so much. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My guest today is Representative Adam Morgan. Thank you kindly. If you like what you hear, please follow, like, or share and tell your friends about More Than Medicine. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.